You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Talk Yo Jits podcast with Richard Rossidi, your martial artist with a to-do list. I'm here with your former host, Lamar Smith. Um, yeah, I'm What's not, up, people? I'm taking over. I'm not taking part here. So we're here today with a special interview because I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to interview Lamar Smith, who, you're just switching things on me here, who just, yeah. got, who just received his black belt. So we're going to get into um, his story a little bit, what he likes to do, the techniques he enjoys, how he got started, where he got started, and uh, and get into his head a little bit. Usually he's the one who asks the questions, and he's actually quite amazing at it. So um, if you're looking to, uh, to be a sponsor, this is the show to do it on. This is getting bigger and bigger. It's spreading out. It's great when people speak the truth, you know, so... Let's get right to it. First of all, I want to congratulate you on receiving your black belt. That's Thank uh, you, sir. You're welcome. Were you surprised or did you know you were being tested? Um, how did that come about? Um, we, we knew. Uh, my instructor, he, we talked about it leading up to it. So I had a, we had an um, idea when it was going to happen. Okay. And, um, you know, that moment. You know where the brown belt is coming off. Oh. And the black belt is coming on. And everyone has their, you know, you, uh, I got you, my black you broke belt up a little bit. You said when the brown it stopped when the when you said the brown belt kind of came off. Yeah, that second when the brown belt came off and the black belt comes on. That that moment that, you know, like like damn, I'm I'm I got it. I I I made it. Um, how did that feel? It felt surreal. It felt sur- like so surreal because I, I think I just I just gotten used to being a brown belt. So it's like tied the black belt on me and I'm still just, just so in shock and awe. And I think it didn't re- like really hit me until like I hung my brown belt up. And I was like, wow, I'm not yeah. wearing this belt anymore. So it's still taking some getting used to, but yeah, I'm still I'm still in shock every time I see it in my bag. Yeah, I am too. <clears throat> I'm getting each degree, even making it to fifth degree. I still look at it and I go, you know, that's kind of cool. And I've gotten yeah. other ranks in other martial arts, but this is by far because of the time we have to put into this. This is not mm-hmm. one of those, and not to bring up Taekwondo where you get a black belt in two years, and you know, and then what happens is unfortunately. Any false sense of confidence you have in your life will betray you when you need it the most. Just mm-hmm. powering and, and giving people <clears throat> different ranks and things like that that are, um, you know, they haven't put the time into. So let's go to the beginning. What first got you interested in either Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Was that your first thing? Did you start in other martial arts? How old were you? Um, I've done... I kind of played around with other martial arts, um, kickboxing, karate, whatnot, uh, MMA. It just seems like when I started doing jujitsu, I kind of it kind of got introduced me through a friend. Well, who's like a he's like a brother now, but um, introduced uh, through that, and then it was kind of like at the right time. I had the my my uh, schedule kind of opened up for the days we were training. Um, it wasn't too far from the house, you know, everything seemed like it was right, even down to like affording tuition uh, monthly. So it was just like one of those things I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a sh- I'll give it a shot. And I wasn't I wasn't giving myself long anyway. I was probably giving myself maybe like two, three months. Yeah. But after so long, it was just like, yeah, I can I can I can stick around with this. I can stick around with this. And then six years later, six and a half years later, boom, I'm getting a belt, a black belt tied around my waist. What is it about the Brazilian jiu-jitsu that made you, as you put it, stick around? Um, for one, my instructor. Uh, my instructor, he 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 made it very clear from jump what to expect out of jiu-jitsu. Um, as far as the, you know, it's, it's all about commitment. It's all about what you put into it. Um, it's all about how your journey is going to go because you're going to see people around you that's going to move faster or sometimes slower than you. 
but that can't deter you from your from your journey. And also just the 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 mind, the the thinking behind jujitsu, because it's not one of those things where it's like I can learn a technique, but I also have to make that technique work for my body and as well as my opponent, because I can throw a, every straight punch look like a punch, every straight kick look like a kick, but not every arm bar or triangle gonna look the same depending on who you're working with. So just being able to, you know, think of different scenarios depending on like the, you know, the body types and whatnot. And it's like, it was really, really intriguing. And also comparing jujitsu to chess was really like, yeah, this is, this is what I like. Like, th- I like thinking a lot. Yeah, I believe you're right. I think it's an analytical game. And um, it's, in my opinion, one of the first martial arts out there that, people who are what we would refer to when I was younger as nerds can like become killers, you know, people that are, whether they're very technical or they just love, like, I love gadgets. I just Mm -hmm. love, I'm always buying them too. I just bought a, a brand new digital microscope. Now, if you would ask me why I need that, I don't (laughs) want it, you know, so I'm doing a lot of research. I've looked at really, stupid things I find around my house under the microscope. So, um, but yeah, when you get into jujitsu, it's, it's such a different type of martial art than other things I'm sure that you've done. So Mm -hmm. going back, um, white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, uh, you know, looking back now, do you, can you remember kind of how you felt, you know, at each belt and you could, kind of visualize, you know, the things that you picked up. Let's go to white belt. So let's talk about your beginning, your training between white belt and your, your blue. Like, where are you? What are you thinking? Um, How many times you did know, you want to quit or think about quitting or giving oh, up? Oh, every, you- every class, every yeah, single class, <laughs> every yeah. single class, man. But um, I think what made it, what made it stick for me was, um, I got to experience a lot of stuff during my white belt. You know, I got to see my instructor get his black belt. I met, you know, Master Joe Moera for the first time. Uh, I think just like maybe like the first first few months of me training, I think I was like a one stripe white belt when I first met him. So it was, and I you know did a private with him too. So it was just like, man, you get to meet royalty like this, and he's just a phone and like now he's just a phone call away. You know, it's like you. Like you hear about like the greats of like you know like you know Master Joe Moera for example fighting the U- like the early days of the UFC and when people hear his name it's like oh my god you know Joe Moera but to me that's like a family member now like you know I can text or shoot you know shoot Joe a message right now and have a conversation with him but um yeah I've I wanted to quit every almost every day man I'm like why am I doing this I'm I'm not getting it this the, you know the terminology and what the it's a shrimp or a snake or my body can't move this way and so on and so forth. But after, yeah, after those couple, I guess, life changing moments, man, I was like, I, I think I can stick around. I think I can hang around with this for a minute. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people felt the same way as white belts. <clears throat> the biggest problem I had was how do I remember all this shit? This is just too much. Too stuff. much. Yeah. And then, I started to um, I started to figure out. Okay, well, remember the stuff you like the best. Well, what stuff mm-hmm. do you like the best? The stuff I was good at. If I was good at it, then I like it, and I'll probably use it. And I give that same advice to white belts. Don't try to remember it all. Mm-hmm. Remember the one that you like the best because you're good at it, and start working on that. And don't worry about the other stuff. I'm sure now as a black belt, every once in a while, you're like, oh my God, I used to do that like four years ago. I haven't done that technique in so long. And people mm-hmm. can assume that we all know and remember everything we've ever learned. No. And no. You get re-enlightened sometimes. You get reintroduced. There's techniques that you wrote off as a white belt, like this sucks. It's complicated. This will never work. And it wasn't mm-hmm. the technique. It was you. It was me. Right. So it's good that you can turn around and give that kind of advice to new white belts. And the one of the things I like about jujitsu is the sincerity 
for the most part of, like you said, your instructor gave you the ins, the outs, the, and it didn't make a difference anyway, because you still felt the same shit. You yeah. know, a day you go home where I can't believe I got tapped. I can't believe it, man. And I was like, what's wrong? I got tapped. It's not a big deal. Her name was Heather. I don't want to talk about it. The first question is: There's girls in that class, and what was she wearing? Like you missing the point? I got got what she was wearing. I don't know a kimono, a gi. So I got um, beat up, man. That's it. I'm hurt. Can you see me? Um, All right. So moving on to now, you're a blue belt. And, um, you know, at Blue Belt, my memory was no better than it was at White Belt. But I found that um, adopting the methodology of slow is smooth, smooth is fast, mm-hmm. is what helped me. But at Blue Belt, I personally was still fighting my demons yeah. and things like that. And uh, you mentioned doing a private lesson with Professor Marrera. It's like when I did my first private with him. It felt like I was a four-year-old and my father was holding me up on his feet playing Superman. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like just wiggling back and forth. There was nothing I could do to him at all. It's almost like every technique I tried, it's like I emailed him a week ago. I was going to do that and he already knew about it. And all right. Like, for this. So, you know, so now you're a blue belt and what's the change? Um, Yeah, so when I, when I got my blue belt, um, it, it, you know, everyone gets that sense of accomplishment when they, you know, it's like a big achievement. It's like almost like graduating. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my instructor because, you know, the blue belt blues, you know, everyone just seems to just fall off the earth when it comes to blue belt. And I was just like, man, I can't, I can't see myself, you know, being the type of person that I am, put so much time into this, knowing that there's so much more to achieve. So, you know, when I got my blue belt, I think that's when everything started to get a little bit more serious for me when it comes to jujitsu. It was starting to like very, very, very rapidly like succumb my life. Like I was just it just engulfed in it, you know, from video lessons to talking to my instructor. And that's around that time I got real cool with one of my training partners, uh, Brian, who got his black belt as well that right. same day because I was like, dude, I got to figure this out. I need to figure this shit out, man. So I kind of stuck to him and, you know, we've been riding ever since. And, and that was around the time when I actually started teaching too. He asked me, uh, my instructor asked me about doing kids class. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll I'll try kids class. And I think that was probably one of the best decisions in jujitsu that I made was, you know, teaching kids class. A lot of people don't think that, but when you teach kids class, you, you have to break a simple technique down even more and that just makes you understand the techniques a lot better as well i agree i also i mean for for my students if i have you teach i call it ownership of information if you don't Mm -hmm. know it don't teach it well i saw where you saw it you don't know it have you used it have you used it in competition before you bring it to me don't send me a link you got to see this technique i'm like wow I'll put that with the other 50,000 links you already sent me of other techniques and all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm just hitting delete half the time because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming. Sometimes I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But it doesn't mean I adopt it and mm-hmm. I go out and do it right away. So I think that by at Bluebell and when I was, um, when I first got involved in jujitsu, Bluebells were opening up schools left and right. You got your blue belt. That was like, According to the time, let's say being a black belt and everything else, and I'm opening up a school. So blue mm-hmm. belts had schools. Uh, now it's mm-hmm. not as common for a blue belt to open up and just start teaching. Right, Usually they do kind of what you do, get involved and help. But when you're teaching something, you really have to know it. And it kind of forces you to be really on your game to the point where now your game is getting better and better because you're showing other people and breaking it down for them. And as you said, teaching kids, especially um, mm-hmm. I, adults. Okay. Throw a left jab. All right. The guy goes like that. I'm like, okay, left, left jab, left, left jab. I'm like, what do you do for a living? I'm, I'm a surgeon. I'm like, 
<laughs> so if I go to you and you're doing an amputation, how many times do I have to tell you right leg or whatever? You know, forget about if you're in a proctologist, I don't want to go to you. You don't know what left and right is, where things are. So when you're teaching kids, it's um, I found it to be the most rewarding. And I've taught them for 40 years. So every 10 years, you see like a different type of kid. There were the mm-hmm. kids when I first started that were blood and guts, running out, playing, getting dirty. And then the next generation, now it's, you know, kids who are basically walking in and saying hello, sir, and then putting you on their like TikTok thing and, you know, interviewing you. And they're like six or seven. And keeping mm-hmm. their attention is not easy because we have to make it fun. But I found right. that making it fun for kids, it should be fun for adults, too. Oh, so yeah. let's talk about, let's segue before we go to Purple Belt. Um, are you still teaching kids classes? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I still do kids class. Yep. Okay. And are you teaching some adult classes as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, let's just say I'm walking in on day one. I'm a brand new student and I walk in and there is Professor Lamar Smith. Um. What should I expect? Like, what are you going to say? Are you going to, do you relay some of the same things your instructor said to you? Do you find yourself repeating some of that, but in your own way to new people coming in? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, right now we got, we got two, I guess you want to say two schools now. Um, once we had, unfortunately we had to close down our, our homeschool H2O. Um, so me and uh, me and Brian, we have one spot that we teach at called Agogi. Oh, we named it Agogi Jiu-Jitsu. And I have a spot that I, that's going to be starting next week uh, called Indovu uh, Jiu-Jitsu. But <laughs> right now we've been at a, um, over at Agogi for I think like two like two months now. Okay. And everyone that that comes in to join Jiu-Jitsu class because we're we're under another like we're under a, like another school. So he teaches like kickboxing and whatnot. So um, he's like, are you cool with people? You said what? I understand. Yeah. So you're kind of oh. like, you have space inside somebody else's kind right. of school. Yeah. 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 So um, he like, you know, if, you know, if anybody wants to, you know, try jujitsu, you know, the class is next, blah, blah, blah. And everyone comes up to me. He's like, I've never done jujitsu before. I'm like, well, that's, a per- that's perfect. That is perfect. I'm like, you know, I, I give everyone the same spiel. Like I don't, do not, I don't push you as hard as you don't push yourself. I don't expect you to do all these magical tricks because I don't know all the magical tricks. I do what jujitsu that works for me. And I still, we still teach the basics. Like everything revolves around the basics. I can teach you 101 techniques, but if you don't have the basics, none of that stuff even matters. So it's like, you go at your own pace. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to dismiss you because you don't know the technique. If, you know, if there's a time where it's like, hey, you know, this technique that you, you showed two, three weeks ago, can you show it again? Absolutely. If you want to record it, record it. If you have to ask me right then and there to demonstrate it three or four times, I have no issue with that. Okay. So that's how that's how I approach anybody to ask me about learning jujitsu for me. I think if um I think if you're a good instructor, your class sells itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my thing was watch the class if you want to watch, if you want to participate. I'll, you know, throw a gi top on you and, uh, and a belt. You can jump in and try it. And yeah. that's it. After that, you know, I, I was very kind of old school. After that, I either want you in my academy or out of my academy. I taught mm-hmm. your lesson. Would you offer like a month? Like, no. I'm not no. taking time away from my regular students who are dedicated to spend a month working with you. Give me two months of your time up front and I'll give you two months of my time up front. And after that, and you can stay or you can go. And you know, jujitsu is intoxicating. It's addictive to most people, even people that have to give it up for whether it's health reasons, work reasons, finances, whatever. They still always crave going back. Um, Yeah. You know, it's the gentle art. I'm 63 I know I love the fact that it does not put as much pressure on my joints as I did when I was kickboxing or tie boxing and snapping kicks all the time. So it also gives you the ability to have injuries and be aware of them and avoid those spots. Like I don't go to certain sides for certain techniques. Well, when you do a scissor sweep to this, I don't do it to that side. 
Like, well, I thought you like this high-level black belt. I am. Maybe I, I am. Maybe I'm not. But I still don't do it. Why? Because it just right. doesn't feel right for me. You know, mm-hmm. and then when you sit there and you analyze your technique when you go, wait a second, I'm like almost totally right side dominant. Scissor sweep to the right, Kimura to the right, this to the right, this to the right. I very rarely go the other way. It's because mm-hmm. I have a dislocated shoulder. It feels not as natural. So I'm sure, you know, jujitsu is not without its its injuries. Um, oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, pain and uh, it's aches and pains. So I've got plenty of them. Um, I'm sure you do too. Yeah. So let's move on to purple belt. So you now your blue belt is done, and you're up at purple belt level. Um, so how big of this? Do you guys have a large enrollment? No, the um, our school usually we usually have like maybe like ten, ten to twelve students at at, at most. So okay. it's a nice small class. It's, you know, yeah, when I'm opening up a new academy and it's mm-hmm. a small space and I am not teaching large groups. I like a small group. Yeah. Um, you know, a large group is great because it's motivating. Um, oftentimes, let's just say you get invited to teach your first seminar and you're like, oh, I'm teaching this. It's kind of cool teaching this seminar. And what's cool about it is the things that you normally teach your student are like, nice. Other places yeah. like, that oh reaction. my god! Yeah, exactly. kind of like the way you felt when you met, like you said, you're meeting royalty, you're meeting Joe Marrera. Then he winds mm-hmm. up being this really humble, gentle, <laughs> sweet guy. Yeah, you know, other I've never seen a martial art and been involved with one that is so, um, you know, um, intimate as far as mm-hmm. the relationships with the students. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know. I mean, my Korean instructor was, we never hugged each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, but, but in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, hug, hold, kiss. So it's very, it's, you know, it's a little bit different than other things. So meeting him, rolling with him, and, uh, and also the conversations like you had, you've had a lot of conversations with him. And Mm -hmm. I spoke many times just talking, sometimes talking, sometimes just talking shit, but Mm -hmm. talking. Um, so you're a purple belt now. What do you got going on there? Can you Ooh. remember? Oh yeah, I can remember. I can remember leading up to my like leading up to my purple belt was was rough, man. Uh it was COVID. Um my mom was like my mom got sick. Uh me and my wife was having a lot of uh issues. It was just rough. And we also had our second child. So yeah. Like, yeah, so that that whole time, man, it was just like I, I got addicted to jujitsu. Uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, testing for purple belt and then boom, shut down. So it was just like, all right. So I, I went from doing jujitsu four days a week to none at all. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> so um, after, you know, time goes on, we open back up and he was like, uh, you want to test for your purple belt? I'm like, damn, I haven't trained like three, four months. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, no, let's give it some time. Let's wait. But my mom was like, yeah, sure. We can do this whenever. He's like, all right, well, let's do it at the beginning of September. And I was like, oh, we just came off of shutdown in August. Yeah. So, man, uh, I think that was like by far like the most grueling test I've been through. I like at the end, I broke down and cried because I think like everything I was just dealing with from blue belt to purple belt just came out right there on the mats, man. And I, and it's like after that, everything just kind of like just kind of coasted for a little bit at, at Purple Belt. So, yeah, Purple Belt was rough, like mentally you rough. Man. Going on. You know, you had a lot yeah. going on outside of Purple Belt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's always rough in jujitsu when you hit those, you know, those things where you're trying to just, you know, outside of jujitsu, life is hitting just like one obstacle after another. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden to lose jujitsu at the same time, you know, you're like, what's going on here? So yeah. I, yeah, many times uh, it's, it's, um, you know, when I, when I, one of the things I, I do like about it is when you are um, <clears throat> having things in your life going on, you're in class, you have to focus. Yeah. You, you can't think about, oh my God, I have this bill. I have that thing going on, this going on. My son needs braces. My daughter needs that. You're like, I don't want to get arm barred though. 
So (laughs) I understand I got these things going on, you know, you know, but um, then you walk in the house and sometimes as the guy, you're like flooded right away with this one wants that. That one wants that. You just want to say, everybody stop. stop. Family, listen, I got a submission tonight. Does anybody care? Do anybody care? I know you have a problem in school. I know you want to talk later. I don't want to really talk, but we're going to have that talk. And you're just crying for no reason. But daddy got a submission, okay? Can we be at me? That's right. What about yeah. my needs? <laughs> well, there's a lot of those memes and things on Facebook about, you know, jujitsu guys and their significant others and you know it's good that a lot of people support it but i don't think we do it for the support we do it because we just love it a lot of people can't understand the camaraderie i mean my own mother my own mother never got why i do this like what what, what are you quitting and why do you do that and and i remember giving my mother an honorary black belt you know nice it was nice it was in a cage in front of like mm-hmm. 150 people at an event I hosted, cage grappling. I bring my mom in and say, listen, this is the teacher <clears throat> that made me the man that other teachers want to teach. That mm-hmm. was my first teacher, my first everything. And I'm giving her a black certificate, name embroidered, and everybody's clapping, you know, and I'm like thinking like, this is so cool, my mom. And she whispers in my ear. And I said, okay, I want to let you all know what my mother just said. She said, I'm hungry. When are we going to eat? <laughs> and, you know, I got like this old Jewish mother and that like nice, a black belt, a certificate. I can't fold it. What am I, where am I going to put this? Like, that's my mother, you know? Mm-hmm. Why do you do and like, even like, I don't know, I'm into like my 40th year. Are you still doing that thing with the hitting? I'm like, give me my career, give me my job, yeah, yeah. everything I care about. But You know, on the other end, I was also always a writer and always, you know, doing things entertaining and creative. So Mm -hmm. we're going to skip from Purple Belt. I'm going to go to a little bit about your other background, your other passion. I can see it in the background, um, your artwork. And let's talk about that a little bit. So I know I'm jumping around, but hey, it's my show. Yeah, it's it's your show. It's it's your your show. (laughs) You're a great guest. And after it's over, you may just... I, I'm going to give it back to you. I decided. Good. Yeah, okay, I'm good. Just, Thank you. I'm just too lazy to do this, you know, like that often. All right. So your style of art, is it, would you call it like anime? Is it, um, um, is it kind of like, I remember growing up on Speed Racer and it reminds mm-hmm. me of that type of stuff, which is extremely hot, like right now. Everyone loves that. Um, right. So talk about how did you get started first in art? Oh, man, I've been drawn since I could hold a pencil, man. Um, It's always been, um, it's always been a huge part of me. My uncles uh, drew a lot and, you know, just, you know, just fall in love with anime. So around when I was growing up, you know, I knew, I knew what Speed Racer was. I watched Speed Racer, but it was, you know, Dragon Ball Z was the big thing. So, um, you know, I've drew that my whole entire life, but now I kind of just, I kind of just paint whatever now. Like I just I have like a couple other you no know, different styles. I does like I do like the anime style, which is the one you see behind me. Um, I do like the posters, surreal kind of things. Like I did of LeBron James, Bruce Lee, Mike Tyson. Um, I've posted those before. They're hanging up around the room. Um, so just kind of it's kind of like whatever. Never really had like a, a like a signature style per se. I just drew what whatever I felt like drawing. So cool. I've seen a lot of what you post. It's very cool. And I think more people should be supporting, you know, local artists or, or any type of artist. I go to, um, I go to a lot of flea markets and I do support some of the, uh, I live in Florida. Unfortunately, where I am, everything is sea oriented stuff. Painting. Mm-hmm. Water. All right. How many manatee pictures can I have in my house? How many dolphins or seals or seashells? And so I don't buy a lot, but I um, I have some really nice pieces. I've gotten uh, a really nice samurai that I think I'll take a picture of and send it to you. It's awesome. It's, it's an old style kind of Japanese anime. I think you'd like it. And one of my students gave it to me. Um, it's like a first edition. The artist signed it for him when he was a little kid. And he never oh, liked wow. it. He gave it to me. 
and I love it. I'll take a picture and send it to you. It's pretty cool. So um, now, are you? Do you make a living both teaching martial arts and doing art? Is that you're doing both? <clears throat> um, as of right now, yeah, that's kind of where how I'm trying to make my living. Um, I've been I kind of became a, a full time teacher now. So I, you know, I instruct, you know, now Tuesday through Sunday now. So um, doing that and also just trying to sell, you know, trying to sell and get my art out there. So that's kind of been my main focus for like the past few months. So you're teaching art? No, you just no. Oh, no, no. I'm teaching jujitsu full time okay. and I do I do art when, you know, whenever, whenever I can. Cool. You picked it like the two industries to make the least amount of money in. Right. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yes, martial artist and fine artist. Which one makes you the most? Like, <laughs> neither. Neither. <laughs> you know what, Bo? I mean, if you know, it, I, I think it, I think the good things happen to good people, and I believe that you know, I think there are more people who enjoy your podcast should buy some of your art and um i know that you sell some of it so i'm gonna buy one definitely within the next couple of days awesome uh, thank you my dog is sneaking up behind me keep an eye on him um you know and other people should buy it as well as a matter of fact i'll start posting some of it for you on some of my websites so people can see um <clears throat> you know that stuff is really cool i have a friend of mine who's 50 five years old and she plays pokemon go awesome it is well yeah i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> really <laughs> really <laughs> you know what her thing is i like to walk and so i walk yeah. to the different places and so it's kind of fun I'm like that's pretty cool I, I can see that you know so um if i wanted something original done from you i could send you a picture and you could do something from that. Like I have my new school opened up and I want to mm -hmm. do something kind of, you know, really the, the vibe in my new place is kind of um, bohemian meets batshit crazy kind of uh, that surf kind of vibe to it. Uh, I just mm -hmm. put some pictures up a couple of days ago. My walls are yellow. My mats are blue. Some guy goes, yeah, like, I just, I just, I just saw it um, early today. Yeah. So I want to do something on my walls with a lot of blue in it, but I'll, uh, I'll talk to you afterwards and send you some things and maybe you can come up with something original. Um, something yeah. cool to look on there, you know, not one of those chalk things like live, love, laugh. I'm like, wow. Damn. <laughs> like, uh, I got to change what I got to do now. <laughs> that's, damn it. You just ruined it for me. All right. So now you're purple belt for a while and mm -hmm. you get ready to move up to brown belt. So, you know, how long were you a brown belt for, roughly? Uh, a year, a year, some yeah, like a year and a half. Okay, and um, as a brown belt, um, you know, what are the things that you focus on? So let me ask. Let's go to particulars here. Let's get a little particular. Let's get specific. Okay. Favorite position in jujitsu? Uh, it's between side control and technical mount. Okay. And from side control, um, favorite submissions? Uh, it would have to be uh, like the combination between a bread cutter and a bread cutter and a Americana. Okay. And um, do you mostly go for far arm submissions in side control? Do you go for the close arm as well? I usually do far arm. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk. And what was your second position that you liked? Technical mount. Okay. Yeah. What do or you a like? Small package, as some people say. All right. Well, describe it. What do you mean by like a, that? Kind of really uptight, close to the head. Or? Yeah. So you're so they're kind of like on their side, kind of like facing away. So you kind of right. have the one arm, one leg in front of their like um, at their belt line. The other leg is behind their head. So it's yes. kind of like kind of like a mixture between like. Being having someone, it will be like mounting someone and having their back. Yeah. So it's kind of like right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And so I like that because it, to me, I have a lot more control, especially if I'm dealing with bigger guys who I necessarily can't mount. Because if I mount you, I'm floating. 
And I definitely don't want your all your weight on me if you're you know if I got your back. So kind of like finding know it's a happy medium. I I would rather be inside control and mount. I find sometimes, like you said, you have a barrel-chested guy, and you're like riding that little pony for a quarter outside the like the store. Your knees yeah. aren't touching. And even Not though you control his weight and you're a more experienced guy, still you have no you have nothing to ground to. You have no mm-hmm. base. So I prefer, I mean, oftentimes I'll have mount and I'll dismount into side control, but it's how I dismount. Like mm-hmm. I prefer if I'm dismounting from mount, I like to do a back step. If mm-hmm. I back step off of him, then I automatically have him almost in a twister side control. Then I can decide to do where I want to bring my knee up. But if I want off of you on the mount, I don't just jump off. I back step and then I slide in tight. So my side control from there is like, you're not going anywhere. I don't yeah. give any room. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I, you know, as much as I love the mount for people that don't know what they're doing, it's a great, but you go against someone who's got like just a few months in them and they're big. It's, you feel like you're riding a rodeo. You're trying to hold on sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and even if I, ele- I like an elevated mount, I want to get up. I want my knees up under his armpits, and I want to be able to get down low so he can't see the chokes I'm trying to do. Move my elbow, yeah. make him move his head a little bit, basically smother him, make him feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, when you're on the bottom. So your your guard, what is it? What kind of game do you play from your guard? Um, I, I like to play from half. I like to play bottom half. Okay. Um, I have, you know, it, I've gotten a lot better with, you know, with the lockdown and I was, you know, you know, there's a, a, a nice little back take from, you know, simple little back take, you know, they try to, you know, come under, you know, try to get the double under, swim under the arm, push in, yeah. you know, switch to the back. So yeah, bottom half is being, this is very, very fun. As much as, as, you know, in Joe's system, that smash pass is what we're so used to. So we don't play deep half because we get punished for it. I've been kind of just been risky playing deep half now a lot. Yeah. Well, the other thing is people don't play the way Joe Marrera guys play. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Oftentimes um, I'm not, uh, you know, I go for a couple of things. If, if I'm on top and you have me in your half guard, um, you know, I go for, I go for a lot of, you know, whether it's leg locks or somersaults or ways, but I, um, I'm always looking to get to someone's back. I just mm-hmm. find that their defenses are blind, you know, mm-hmm. way. I mean, even though you've been there before, you still don't know what I'm doing behind you as I'm maneuvering. So I like that too. Um, bottom half guard. It's, I think I did a, uh, I did a seminar, a private lesson years ago with um, with Hoist Gracie. And I asked him about his half guard game. And his answer was like, I really don't play half guard. Like, I don't really get into it. I don't really. I'm like, I was surprised. I'm like, wait. Back then, I was like, you mean you don't know all the positions? You don't do them all? Like, you're Hoist Gracie. You're not like the UFC guy. You should do all of them. And I think about my game. So let's talk about you know, what we have maybe similar to like, do you on the bottom, have you ever played? Like, do you play a lot of spider guard? Not really. No, me neither. Like I just don't, I I don't know why, but I just, there's so many other things I can do from bottom that I've come to the conclusion. I don't have to do them all. Right. These guys out there, they're like, well, he's the spider guard guy. He's like amazing. I'm like, I'd like to see him try that on me is my first impression, not to be, you know, overly confident, but I just like to see what I could do against a guy who specifically does a certain move that he's known for. So I don't, I just don't do it. Every I'll teach it every once in a while. And I'll even tell my students, I don't do this a lot. And if you ask me why I'm honestly not even really sure. Um, the thing with jujitsu, you can get away with it. It's like, just not my thing, man. I'm like, yeah. How many of the martial arts were saying that? Just, it's just not who I am. It's not right. Me. Like, yeah, you can't do that in anything else. 
Like, no, it's not you. You do Muay Thai. I don't like to elbow, though. It's just not who I am. It's just not my thing, right? <laughs> I don't like throwing knees. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> so in jiu-jitsu, you can do that. You can also learn to hide your weaknesses in jiu-jitsu, you mm -hmm. know, by maneuvering people away. If you're like, well, you know, I, you want to move people towards where you want them to be. That's true, but you also want to move them away from where you don't want them to be for another reason. Either I've got yeah. that bad shoulder, I've got that this, so I want to make sure that I'm maneuvering people away from me um, for two different reasons, to protect my weaknesses and at the same time. And that's where you mentioned the chess match. Yeah. I, I think it is. And I still look at it a lot. I, do you guys play jujitsu chess ever? One move. Oh, flow roller, yeah. Yes. Love a good flow roll. Love a good flow roll. You always get that one guy who does like eight moves in a row. It's like, what the, what the fuck was that? It was my move. That was eight moves. It's I do one move. Look, I reached my hand up. That's my move. What's your move? Well, I reached it up, and this came across like that. And I went like, that's that's like 12 moves, dude. You know, there's always those players, and they, they just can't do anything right. Um, you're teaching a class. Somebody mm -hmm. walks in. Drunk bad attitude, challenges you, calls you out. What are you going to do? Hypothetically speaking, I'm not coming there. <laughs> I'm not coming. Yeah. You know, um, when it wasn't drunk, but I did have, I'm not going to say a similar experience, but um, people that who feels like they, they know everything type deal. I give them a nice little humble lesson. I don't try to like humiliate them or anything like that. Um, so anybody that comes in like that is like thinking they're just going to beat me up. I'm like, okay, we can play. We can, we can play around for a minute. Cause um, one of the spots I'm teaching at now, um, we, we had, I did like a little open mat type deal and it was like three, it was like four guys and they were all wrestlers, all wrestlers. So we're going over four by four guard and I'm just like, you know, he's moving. So I'm just like, you know, jumping, you know, swimming to his back and all the other stuff and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, yeah, man, the only reason you got me because we started in a bad position. Let's start from standing. So I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, let's start from standing. So I was like, okay. So we start from standing, and he's, he's boom, straight to wrestler mode. And I'm just going for the ride. He's moving. He's taking 50 steps. I'm just slowly turning. Hmm. He go, he runs this way. I'm slowly turning this way, and yada, yada, yada. I think we went for like a good like five minutes, and he's just sucking air. She's, he's just like just gasping and stuff. He's like, man, you, you're so you're so good, man. I don't know what you did. I was like, I just kept myself calm. Yeah. I just kept myself calm. And that's, you know, that's, and that's, but you know, that's in, you know, any situation, how you want to handle it in the, you know, in the gym, in the streets, you know, if you get that irate person that comes into your gym, there's no need, there's no need for me to, you know, match energy with you. I'm just going to keep myself calm. That's even more annoying to people that are irate is when you're calm. And you're not yeah. at, in the dirt with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of, I train a lot of bodyguards and, you know, things like verbal diffusion. And oftentimes mm -hmm. we talk about redirecting the person. So if you're in my face, you're yelling, screaming, blah, blah, blah. I'm always going to ask you a question that requires more than a one word answer. So if you're screaming, I'm going to F you, come on. And I say to you, did you have lunch today? Yeah. You're back to hitting me. Now, hey, what'd you have for lunch today? What do you care? I just want to know. What do you? I'm like, just what'd you have for lunch? I mean, I like a tuna fish sandwich. Like now, you got him talking about something else. Mm -hmm. um, as a as a, as a guy, and I like I like to fight. I like it. I was a bouncer for 20 years because I like fighting. I like street fighting. I like it. I mm -hmm. you know, I just do. And. Um, you know, unfortunately, these days, you know, we have to contend with people that walk in and they're like this and like this. And the next thing you know, you whip their ass and they're suing you. You know, right. even if you sign like, I have the guy sign a liability. You think that's protecting you? Because you had a guy come in, challenge you. He's intoxicated or whatever. or He's not. And you made him sign so you can beat the crap out of him. That's not going to fall. You saw that thing with that bouncer who punched that kid square in the face. The big guy um, on. Yeah. How is he a bouncer? How is he a security guard when he punches right. people in the face? So his, you know, the guy who hired him, another influencer online. I'm an influencer. 
I just can't wait for one of those little influencers to run up on me and ask me some stupid question, you know, because I'm old. I really would love that, you know, like someone named Kyle or Corey, and they have the right. Oh, and like they have, they wear knit hats, even though it's Florida, you know, because they're so freaking cool. Please come up and ask me a question. I'm inviting you. Please come up. I really want you to say, talk. Say please. I know. I see those videos all the times, man. It's like I just one day, just one day. Yeah, someone does some stupid stuff like that. I saw a video about some kid who just beat the shit out of a 63 year old man my age mm -hmm. in a movie theater over a seat. And he just like, just bang, bang, bang. I'm like, please let that be me next time, please. You know, and I live in Florida where everybody can own a gun now. I mean, right. anyone, you have a driver's license, get a gun. I'm going out for milk and a gun. You know, I just, and people don't realize that their first level of, of, you know, of, uh, of disconcern is, is to pull a gun on each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm training a lot more people in gun disarms and also gun retention stuff. Uh, you know, we do a lot of self-defense in our jujitsu. We start standing, teaching people how to block the right way. And a lot of guys didn't like it in the beginning. We took over a new school and now they're loving it. So, mm -hmm. um, like, when I, for instance, I taught a private lesson a while ago for a guy I became very friendly with. And it was a boxing class. Within about five minutes, I said, I go, Mike, I go, you're never going to hit anybody, are you? He goes, no. I go, let's do No. I go, you just don't have that person. I don't see you ever hitting anybody. Yeah. You're just too docile. You're calm. You're, you're, you're like that nice guy. You really are. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I don't want to be that guy and have somebody come up to me or confront me and embarrass me in front of my children, in front of my wife. So, you know, we worked jujitsu and it was a lot better because he had a bit of a wrestling background, you know, mm -hmm. when he was in high school. So I think for people, like we said, I said at the beginning, jujitsu is great for like the nerd type, the people that are over analytical, the thinkers, the ones who can't sleep at night because their brain doesn't shut down. Right. You know? And that's when you wake up like, what's going on? Honey? Nothing. What, what are you thinking? No, nothing. Was it about us? Yeah, it was about yes. us. <laughs> why are you holding my arm and why do you have my hand like that like I, I, I asked you to hold hands and you, what did you call it a kimura I'm like can we not do jujitsu for a little bit no blasphemy <laughs> exactly so the first time somebody called you professor did that how did that sound I don't like it it's weird to me. It's so weird. I'm like, so like one of the one of the guys uh, uh, we train with. He's like, so should we call you instructor or professor? I'm like, no, just call me Lamar. I'll, I'll take I'll I'll take coach or you know or you know one of the kids might say you know sensei uh, Lamar. I'll take that. But from like peers, like no, just I'm just Lamar, man. I'm just yeah. I'm just Lamar. I didn't it, like. It just it feels weird. I didn't like it either in the beginning because, but. You know, I looked at the roots of it and in the Hispanic or the Portuguese community or certain things, professor is basically teacher. I mean, mm -hmm. they call the soccer coach professor in some mm -hmm. in some countries. So I didn't like it. I never liked the phrase master because I don't think I've mastered anything in my life ever, nor will I right. ever master anything. It's just I just don't like it. And my students call me either sir, just sir, sir or some call me professor, the ones that are like, the newer guys call me professor. And, um, but yeah, there's certain terms I just don't really care for. It doesn't feel like me. So no. I've, learned to, I've learned to enjoy the professor part of it because I realize it is a cultural statement and not so much that I am, you know, I feel like, like imagine meeting a professor of like astrophysics from Harvard, like, oh, I'm a professor too. It's like, oh, really? What subject? You're like, shit. <laughs> Dismemberment? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, jujitsu. Yeah. Right. Wow, that's great. Good talking to you. And they're like, they're out of there. Um, yeah, it's, it's can be, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you, one day you're one of the guys and the next day you're not. And it's, it's kind of like that line of, it's almost like getting promoted at work where, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, you've been one of the guys in the loading dock for 10 years. Now they're the supervisor. And all yep. the things you liked about them are now annoying because you got to be in a position of authority. So, yeah. But it's good that you guys have, you know, a, a small group. Are you looking to – so what's the future for you? What do you – what's your goal? To open up your own place, to have your own school, to um, – and promote your art? Um, yeah, the- I mean, all the, all the above, man. It's, it seems like everything is starting to fall into place. Like I said, we end up teaming up with the guy, this guy named Kurt over his school at uh, Boombox Kickbox, you know, martial arts and kickboxing, mm-hmm. who's, you know, who's been very gracious enough to let us uh, take over the grappling class. So we're teaching jujitsu there. I'm at another place called the Marshall Yard um, out in Garden City, Michigan, where I'll be teaching full time there too. Um, so it, it start, it's slowly growing, man. It's slowly growing. Um, it just, it just seems like a, a very smooth transition from being a, you know, a, a, a student to instructor to being a head instructor, like all in like one go. And you know, I've been getting nothing but love and support from everybody. So, yeah, man, it's 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 getting there. It's only getting there. But yeah, in the future, I would love to eventually have my own building, have my own school, and whatnot. But you know, this is a start. So, what do you think of? I'm sure you see all of these um, martial arts gurus out there on the business end of martial arts, enroll a hundred students in just two hours. Yeah. Dojo master, this master, that master, we're going to do everything for you. Have you looked into any of those systems or is that something that you just not comfortable with? Yeah. I, I, I see them pop up on Facebook um, a lot now. Cause you know, your phone listens to you when you start talking about stuff like that. Um, I've seen it, but I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in it for the money. You know, if it comes, it comes. If I, you know, if I would, if I, when I open up a school, if I get, you know, a hundred students, cool. I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm just cut from the same cloth my instructor is. If I get, if I open up a school and it's, I'm making enough to keep the building open, you know, all the bills are paid from what I'm making from the, uh, the students, I feel like I'm winning, you know? So that's how, that's how I see it. I mean, it's, I've been doing this for, I think I opened my first school in 1980. So, you know, I've seen them come and go. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my advice to new school owners and people opening up is it's okay for us to make money. We're not Mr. Mm Miyagi. We're not, you know, we don't have to be poor because that's what martial arts is. And that's, those days are over. Um, Mm -hmm. But we can maintain our integrity and not teach crap and not jump right. on fad that's going on. I happen to do very, very well in my schools, extremely well. And I did well because um, a right place and B, you know, I kind of ran it like the business end of it. Once I stepped off the mat, I acted like a CEO of my corporation and mm-hmm. I ran it like a CEO, the mat, Hey, blah, 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 off the mat. It was different. And I never, I will, I never sold out. I never talked shit. I never sold shit. I never came up with a black belt program to get your black belt in two years. I never, you know, ever. And there's people out there that feel like they have to do, you have to sell out to cash in in the martial arts business. I'm like, no, you don't. You may no, you don't. You don't. You can make the money that you want because you deserve it. I mean, right. think about it. You've been training, took you how many years to get your black belt? Six and a half. All right. It's practically a doctor. Doctors mm-hmm. go to eight years of school. And the time we put into this, our tuition, our blood, our sweat, our heart, and also the things that we've ruined in our lives because of martial arts, the things we didn't pay attention to, the friendships that ended, the people we mm-hmm. ended, whatever it is, everything has a cost. So it's not, you know, I tell people, don't feel bad about charging, about making money in this business just separate your mat from your business. Keep that integrity. Integrity sells. My father mm-hmm. told me that when I was young. Integrity will always sell in the end. You may have a shit product and people will eventually find out. Unfortunately, we're dealing in a world where people want instant gratification. They're going, yeah. so, hey, listen, so uh, Professor Smith, I know you don't like that, but how long before I get good at this? I, I love that question. I love that's the favorite question. Like, how how long how long you think it's gonna take me for uh to get to get good at this? I was like, that's okay, so what's your answer? Then? I'm asking. That's you. a what's question you need to ask yourself. Okay. 
That's a question you need to ask yourself. You put the time in, you stay committed, you stay humble, you let go of your ego, and you know, eventually you'll you'll gain the knowledge and you'll gain the skill. Yeah, I agree. I think when I've seen in jujitsu, there's two types of people. Those who are natural right out of the box that you love and hate. Cause like I had to work so hard to get what you just did like that. And Man. who struggle and struggle and struggle. The good thing about it is I tell them the naturals are also naturally lazy. Everything mm -hmm. comes easy to them. They're the, getting in late, leaving early, doing their thing. But you keep working and working and working and working and working. And eventually you'll be able to beat the guy that was the natural because he doesn't have to work as hard. I don't think yeah. I was natural at anything in martial arts. I came mm -hmm. from a soccer, soccer background and I was not good at this stuff at all. I, I, you know, I wasn't picking it up. Um, and if I wasn't picking it up, then it's stupid. That's how I felt at the time. Well, this is just stupid. Well, you're not good right. at it. It's stupid. If it was good, I'd be better at it. How can you not be getting this? It's dumb. All right. Not to mention, you ever walk by the window of a jujitsu school? Like the gayest looking sport in the world. You got one guy between another guy's legs, especially between the way Professor Mayer said, okay, Richie, Richie, come between my legs. I'm like, could you just rephrase that once or twice? And, you know, how about this? get in my guard. Get in my guard. Okay, so you between his leg, you between your partner's legs. I'm like, ah. Or like here, just lay down and be like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I usually do that. No, this is wrong. Like, can I get dinner first? Like, later. <laughs> like, and but yet you're like, yeah, and like a puppy, yeah, sure. you want to do it anyway. You're like, well, now he went like that, so I got between his legs. You know, then what happened? Well, then he arm barred me, and I suffered. Right, I got choked out. I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I told you he choked me out of the seminar in front of everybody. And it was just, I mean, even kids were like, kids were like, are you okay? They thought I was dead. And it was the joke where he had his hands in here, but his knees were in my chest. And I wasn't really feeling, okay, I'm feeling it a little bit. Next thing you know, Rich, Rich. I'm like, I go, I'm sorry. I go, I'm sorry. He's like, yeah. Sorry. I go, I, you know, I, I like, I lost focus. Mm -hmm. He's walking, I'm in his guard. And right, I watch. I mean, was, I just completely lost focus. But no, mm -hmm. I was unconscious. I lost consciousness. I'm like, holy yeah. crap! You know, people are like I got like I'm walking around going, I'm good. And then I go, I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm, good. I'm, good. I'm, good. I'm gay. Listen, I'm a warrior. I'm like, not good. Not good. Healing <laughs> still good. Right. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> So I felt like, you know, maybe I go in the bathroom, maybe wash off my face. But you can't go in right away. You got to wait. Like got to walk it off. Yeah, you got to wait a minute. I was going to go to the bathroom anyway. Exactly. So, you know, I went. I've, I've been there. I, like, I think, I don't know if I was talking to you about it, but I've, I've told the story before at a, you know, Master Joe seminar, and he was doing the, um, you know, the bulldog pass. And he goes for the bulldog pass, and someone asks him a question. Oh, and God. at this point, I'm folded. I am like all my weight is on my shoulders. You're like a lawn he's chair. just posted. And yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, he's gonna go in a minute. And then you know, once Joe gets to talking, Joe just gets comfortable. And I was like, oh, he is sinking his weight down. Oh, yes. This is bad. But what do I say? Like, do I stop him? I'm like, hey, okay, okay. I'm tap I'm tapping him on the side, like, okay, I can't breathe. I know it's he's like, like oh, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> it's like going to a meeting at work and at five o'clock and some guy goes, I've got a seven part question. You're like, oh, man, come on. And that's right. Yeah. When Joe, I've had that position where he's kind of had me almost folded in half. And then someone will ask him a question. And I've been the same mm -hmm. spot. Okay. Well, I'm talking about, I'm like, and it may be like, you know, excuse me. I, I have a question. Where do donuts come from? I'm like, you fucking kidding me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it. And he's like, well, you know, region. I'm like, and I'm dying here on the top. Like you said, when you talk and you sit, your energy sits, which is why I've done stand-up comedy. And stand-up comedy usually walk around because your energy walks with you. When you mm -hmm. sit, like, he's getting like job of the hut, like just kind of <laughs> relaxed. 
He's like just sinking into it. I'm like, is he, is he is he holding a remote control at this point? Right. TV. I'm underneath you. You know, that's like telling somebody, hey, by the way, you parked your car on top of me before. I was under there for like six hours. Um, but it's such a good group, a great group of people in the organization. And, um, yeah. you know, it's good that you're the only guy, I think, in the whole association that does this sort of thing and primarily primarily brings in, you know, Joe Marrera guys that talk about, you know, what he does. I get people sending me links all the time to jujitsu shit I can give. Well, a shit about, you know, right. I posted that guy. Posted. I'm like, if it's not a Joe Marrera thing or a Joe Marrera guy or one of our things, I just don't care anymore. You know, there's mm. just so much out there. And I know you and I talked about this when you interviewed me a while ago and I brought up my feelings about, um, you know, the use of performance enhancement drugs. And there you have just a couple of like maybe a week ago, Gordon Ryan just coming out and admitting that, yeah, you know, if you have the right money, you get the right doctor, you do the right drugs and blah, blah, blah. Sure. I think mm -hmm. it's important. I think that I think that everyone in the sport should be doing them. Like, like you would just you denied it for so long. So long. And now, so you're, saying, long. now you're saying that you've been taking them. I mean, look at the picture of you without. Look at it with. How could you? It's called performance enhancing enhance mean above beyond what is naturally produced mm -hmm. so i have no respect for people like that now oh my god you're a role model you're like i definitely i'm gonna get my gordon ryan poster and put it up in my room so you know and i i think the same thing with the ufc i don't care if you drop the u.s drug association but you have to put something else in its place if you're gonna self-govern that opens up a lot of a lot of potential for exposure where, well, we you know we really look at doing Conor McGregor. They just want him to fight. They're willing to take him out of the pool, put him in the pool, put him in a swimming pool, whatever it takes to get him in the ring, which was the whole premise of Mark Hunt's lawsuit against the UFC and Brock Lesnar. They knew he was on steroids. They knew yeah. he could not possibly unjuice before the event. They knew it. Right. And they gave him a Pasadena on it. And they'll do the same thing for other people. So man, um, just how just to just the thought, man, is how dangerous that is. Exactly. I mean, so. you know, certain drugs that are out there are, and, and, and again, I just don't see how you can call yourself the king or the champion, the this or the that, if you're admitting openly that you are a performance enhancing drug user and uh and, and you say it in such a smug way. Like it's it's cool, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's good for the sport. It's good for the right. sport. Like really, you just this became the WWE. Then, you know, those guys are are even though some of them have a great deal of wrestling skills, they're entertainment wrestlers. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, I one of the best seminars I ever had back when Matt Riddle was doing um, UFC fighting was Matt Riddle. I know the school he trained in in Pennsylvania. I knew the owner of the school. And Matt Riddle put on a really good MMA wrestling seminar. Really talented guy. I didn't follow what he did after that, the whole WWE thing, because it's not my thing. I don't really want to watch you know, that stuff. But, mm. um, you know, the UFC got rid of him for smoking weed. Right. What's the worst thing to do? Go on a couch and eat a bag of Doritos? Like, right. That enhance your performance. So you kick a guy like that out who had charisma and had a, a decent career ahead of him. You get rid of him for something like that. And yet you're going to drop all the drug testing. Crazy. People want to know when the next fight is. I want to know when Dana White's next fight against his wife is. That's what I want to know. When you, when are you rematching your wife? Because you're so exactly. against violence and that sort of thing. Yet you, I mean, that came from, that was like some Will Smith shit. From here down to the floor. Damn. Yeah. Your wife. I mean, she slapped him first because he probably said something stupid because they're drunk. And what do you, you immediately punch her in the face? Right. I mean, this is why NFL players and other, other sports, they get fired for that stuff. They get kicked out. You're done in the league. Done. We yeah. can't market you. You know, I mean, I'm a huge, huge dog lover. I had no interest in NFL sports after Michael Vick was allowed to come back in and play. I mean, there mm -hmm. were experts of what he did 
physically, he himself did to those animals. You apologize because you got caught? Okay, we're cool. Like, I'm sorry. Right. I can't get behind that. And I can't get behind, you know, the whole this this whole thing with the USD. I haven't watched the UFC in forever. I don't even watch you anymore. Can't afford them. And yeah. yeah. It's like, well, if you go on and join up an ESPN plus and pay $175, I'm like, are you kidding me? Most of the fights have gotten so boring that the pre-fight, the way in is more exciting than the fight itself. <laughs> I'm like, boom, yeah, you want to go? You you want you want a piece of me? You want to go? I'm like, aren't you guys scheduled to fight tomorrow? Like in like 12 hours, man. Calm down. Exactly. But they're like, you want to go? You want to fight? I'm like, yeah, we, we got a contract. We're scheduled. And they all do the chest thing and the puff thing and the head touching and everything else. I, it's just become so much hype. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I look at, you know, like you brought up Hicks and Gracie and some of the other guys that look at this new wave jujitsu and they're just rolling their eyes going, this is not the like, way. This is not, yeah. I make a mistake a lot of times when I have Joe for a seminar. I say, we're learning Joe Murray. He goes, not my jujitsu. It's not my jujitsu. Rich, don't say my jujitsu. It's real. This is the way jujitsu should be done. I'm like, but mm-hmm. you're the only one that ever taught me the style of jujitsu. So right, I, don't, I don't know nothing else right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I had trained originally with other people, and I just like, I think Joe's approach is is just so, um, you know, it's uh, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. It's how I look at it. And, you know, it's a great organization. Well, listen, we got to go. We're running a little bit late here. I want to thank you for being on the Tokyo Jits podcast with Richard Rossidi. Um, And we were here today with Lamar Smith, newly anointed, awarded black belt. Please don't call him professor. He does not like it. No, just Lamar is fine. All right. Professor Smith, it's been great talking to you. (laughs) It just felt so natural now. I'm sorry. Um, uh, want, I appreciate it, Richard. <laughs> there's anything you want to um, say to my listeners, formerly your listeners, um, what would you like to say to them? Hey, just all I can say is, man, I, 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 you know, appreciate all the guys' love and support. When I had my show before it got took over by Mr. Rossidi here, um, hopefully I can get my show back. But, uh, yeah, uh, follow our, you know, social medias like always, man, and stay tuned to, to more. I got plenty more stuff coming down the line, and it's just gonna it's gonna continue to grow. So, yeah, that's it. And I, I hope if you, if and when you do get the show back, that you are able to continue to make it grow. And this this was not my idea to take over your show. This came directly down from corporate. So you know how you talk to Phil in accounting if you want to, or uh, human resources and see what you can do. But um, yeah, I got to. I'm, I got listen, to. I'm I'm pulling for you, man. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lamar. I will talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. And done.